Hello everybody, this is Kathy Kelly, and I am coming to you from Paranormal Tower in Asbury Park's historic downtown district. And this is Paranormal Tales from the Tower, the Origin series. And today we are discussing the origin of paranormalist Kathy Kelly. So everybody else has told their origin story, and I am always really resistant to telling mine, largely because I never really thought I had one. I never thought that there was a specific moment in my life where suddenly I became someone who was interested in the paranormal or someone who was passionate about it. Um, I always fall back on the old adage that I was born this way, that I came out of the womb this way, that my interests were somehow predetermined or somehow unrelated to any experience that I had. I don't know if I ever thought that was 100% true, but it was definitely how I felt. It definitely, there was no large moment, no aha, no holy shit, this happened to me kind of thing. And I could remember having what can only be described as a profound fascination um, with this subject matter, even at five and six years of age. In fact, I wrote um, my first play, and probably the best thing I've ever written, when I was seven or eight years old in um, first going into second grade, and it was called Monsters. And it was about um, a young kid that discovered monsters living in her attic. And these monsters had this completely you know, um, created this, this completely realized, uh, community and, and, and society. And, you know, it was a story about accepting people for being different and blah, 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 blah. But it was a story about monsters and it was called monsters. And I remember it just being fascinating, uh, to me. I remember when my family came from Jersey city to Glen Ridge, we came from, you know, a three-room apartment, two-bedroom apartment in Jersey City where there were uh, seven children um, and two parents. And we moved to a huge kind of just disaster of a house in Glen Ridge with um, no working heat, with no sink in the kitchen. And um, my father was a contractor, so... Um, it took years, but, you know, he turned it into a great family home. But, uh, you know, when we moved out there, it, it, it completely changed my life. and It completely changed everything that I that I knew. Um, and across the street from there was. Was a revolutionary, uh, you know, pre-revolutionary war burial ground. And um, it 
it became kind of a character in my life or it, it became kind of a, a, a part of my life. And I was never afraid of it. I, I was always fascinated by it. I would take walks through it. I remember reading there in high school when I was, you know, <laughs> typically depressed or angst ridden or whatever. But I was thinking about this idea of origin um, when I was asking everybody else their stories. And, and one thing kept kind of coming back to me, which was something that I experienced, but I'm not sure I actually remember. I mean, I was there. And it happened to me and around me. But I was so young that I don't know if what I recall is actually a memory or it's just been repeated so many times that I think of it that way. In 1972, I was just turning two years of age. I just turned 50, so it was just turning two. And, oh my God, I'm 50 years old. It's hard for me to accept that, but okay, there you go. Um... I was just turning, I was two, probably going on three, and my mother um, had gone, had brought us back to Ireland, and she had brought us back to Ireland after her father's death. Um, she had not been able to go back uh, for the, actually, I don't remember if we were there for the funeral. I, I, we may have actually been there um, for his funeral. Um, I know when my grandmother passed away, um, she had tried to go there to visit her beforehand. You know, it was, it was a different time. So you couldn't fly, you know, so easily. It was very expensive. We didn't have a lot of money. There was a lot of us, but, um, but we were there. My, my grandfather had passed away. If not, um, for that trip that he had passed away in, in the very recent past. Um, and we were all sitting in, what would be essentially the sitting room and it's where the the dinner table was it's where the range was it's where life happened in an irish household and um there was a front room um which was uh parallel to this room and between those two rooms was a uh, a hallway um with a door to the outside so you had a closed door that went to the hallway you had a closed door that then went into the sitting room the second formal sitting room and then you had um a perpendicular door that went to the outside and it was kind of dangerous because these doors were set up in such a way that the cross breeze between the back and the front of the house created these wind tunnels where the doors would slam shut with incredible strength. So much strength that my mother as a child got her hand caught in the door and it actually took the tip of her finger off. Um, that's another story for another time. But we were all sitting in the room with the range, which is where everybody, you know, would be sitting. Honestly, if you were to peek your eye in there tonight, that's probably where they're sitting now. It was my grandmother, um, my, uh, my aunt Katie, um, my mother, myself, and my uncle Marcin. And my uncle Marcin was probably just about 30 years of age. No, maybe 28. Um, 
and he, this is really rural Ireland, so there wasn't a television set, there wasn't a telephone, um, you know, everyone would sit around the range and talk and, and kind of have, have a few laughs, and Uncle Marchie might go down to the pub, and when I say go down to the pub, I mean the pub might be 35 or 40 minutes away by car, and because you're not in the center of town, you're out in the country, out in the true, as someone would say, proper Ireland. Um, and he had gone down to, he had gone out to a place called Belligare, which is a larger town, um, where the church is and, and there are pubs and the butcher and, you know, that's where the carnival is and different things like that. And, um, he had come home and, you know, these people, they didn't have any money. They didn't, they didn't have a lot of money. I mean, they, they never knew that they were poor, but they were poor by comparison to other people. And, um, for instance, they might have some cigarettes, but they didn't have cigarettes every single day because they couldn't afford to have, you know, packs of cigarettes every day. And they didn't go drinking every night because they couldn't afford to do that. But my uncle was a big dude and he, um, had gone down to the carnival, which was in August and was a, um, was a huge social event in, um, in the area where they lived. They lived in Galway. They lived in a, lot, a little town called Ballinlass, a village called Ballinlass. And, uh, or bound slow and, um, which was, I think is, that's kind of like where the post office was. And then the, the town that, that would be the larger town would be a place called Belligar. And, um, he had gone down and he might, you know, I mean, it was Ireland in the early 1970s. I'm sure he had a few pints and he came home and he was standing. We were all sitting in the kitchen. I remember I'm, I'm not even three. So I don't really remember this, except I have this vague kind of recollection of it. And I'm sitting on my mother's lap, and my uncle is standing in the doorway. And so the door is open, and he's standing in the doorway that goes from the, the, the kitchen with the range to the hallway where there's the front door and the door to the sitting room. Now, when I say we're in rural Ireland. What I mean is the nearest house is close to a mile away in either direction. Um, there is another house down the street or down, you know, down the lane. Um, but that was the house of a woman named Annie Kennedy who was truly, um, truly a primitive cottage. Um, she wouldn't have had lights. She wouldn't have had heat. Um, she would have lived much the way an Irish, uh, rural Irish person would have lived in the 1840s. And so he was standing in the doorway and he was smoking a cigarette. And I remember, you know, in my mind's eye, I can kind of see him, uh, strong and big and, you know, youthful. And, um, my uncle was a, was like a big bear of a guy and always laughing and like a big kid, a big child. And um, very loving and easy to hurt. And, you know, he was a good guy. He is a good guy. Um, and he was standing there leaning with his elbow, his back against one side of the door frame, and his his forearm leaning, leaning against the others, turned kind of towards us. And he was smoking a cigarette. And my grandmother was sitting next to the range. Now, my grandmother was a very large woman, um, and she was blind. But she was very kind and very soft-spoken and very gentle. And um, she had said to my Uncle Marchie, and she said, you know, Marchie, 
you didn't milk the cow, you should go down and you should milk her, or she'll be sore tonight. And my Uncle Marcina said, uh, you know, he was tired, and he'd had a few drinks, and he, he, didn't, he didn't feel like doing it. And he said, oh, she'll be all right, she'll be fine, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And um, he said, yeah, he went on talking, and everyone's chatting, and we're all sitting around. And my grandmother, <coughs> who was not a very forceful woman, um, kind of said, you know, Marcina, it's not right that that poor animal will be in pain. You know, your father would be very upset if um, if you didn't do it. And my Uncle Marcin said, you know, I'll, I said I would do it. I'll do it. It's no big deal. I'll do it in the morning and blah, 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 blah. So a little while goes by, and I guess my grandmother just kind of had a, had enough. And she said, Marcin, go down and milk that cow. That's enough now. Your father would be upset. You know you're supposed to do it. Go down and do it. And... My uncle was getting annoyed, but he would never be disrespectful of my grandmother. But he kind of huffed and he puffed, and he wasn't going to be pushed into doing something he didn't feel like doing. And all of a sudden, now remember, it's got to be close to midnight. <coughs> all of a sudden, there comes at the front door three very distinct knocks. Now... There are no street lights where we are. There's one paved road. And paved is probably very complimentary. There are no cell phones. There are no there are no um, side roads. <coughs> There's no um, No people close by. There's no way someone could sneak up and uh, knock on the door without being seen. So my uncle goes to the door thinking it has to be a person there and they must have a reason for coming this late. <coughs> Excuse me. And so he opens the door and he looks around and he sees nothing. Now, even at midnight in Ireland, if the moon is full, it's a good and bright sky because there's very little pollution. And in August, it stays sunny right up until 10 o'clock. I mean, the sun, the sun almost doesn't go down until 11 o'clock at night. I mean, I remember running around at 9 and 10 as the sun was just to turn, beginning to turn amber. And so he comes back in, and my grandmother says, who was there? And he says, no one. You know, he's perplexed. And he goes back to talking again. The door is shut, and he's talking. And my grandmother doesn't say anything else to him. She just kind of sits there quietly. And the rest of us are sitting there quietly, too, because it's very unusual what just happened. But my uncle goes forward with his stories, and he's telling his stories, and he's laughing. And the next thing, at the door. Now, I said I don't really remember this, but even as I do it now, I can feel a coldness that kind of goes through me. Because all of us in that room knew that someone was knocking on that door. And we knew that it wasn't a person, at least not a person that we could see. 
So my uncle went back out, opens the door, he opens it up, he walks outside, he walks all the way to the road, and he looks up and he looks down and there's nothing there. He comes back in, he refuses to acknowledge that it's strange, and he goes back to talking again. Very quickly, we had three more very emphatic knocks, and now he's very angry. And so he goes into the sitting room, and he takes down his rifle, and he goes out, slams the door behind him, and he's gone for about 25 minutes. And when he comes back, we're all sitting there waiting with bated breath for him to come back. And he walks back in, and he closes the door behind him, and he sits down at the kitchen table. And my grandmother says, where did you go, Marching? And he said, I went down, and I walked out to the road, and I walked up the road to see if I could see someone, and I walked back down to the other road to see if I could see someone, and I saw no one. And so I went around back to see if anyone was messing with the cattle, to see if anyone was messing with the chickens, which you would think we would hear. And he said, and I went into the barn. And the cow was in her place with a bucket beneath her and the stool beside her for milking. And he said, and I sat down and I milked her. And that's what he did. Who came knocking that night? I don't know. Was it a coincidence? Was it kids pranking? It, 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 that seems impossible. Was it my grandfather making a point to the man who is now the man of the house, to the, the head of the family now, that it was time for him to step up and be responsible? Was it my grandmother somehow making it happen? Because that's exactly what she thought. I don't know. But I do know that when I think of that time, even though I don't know whether I remember it or if I just know it, there's a part of me that feels that at that moment, my questions started. And some of them, were answered. That's my origin story. Well, thank you for listening to Paranormal Tales from the Tower. My name is Kathy Kelly. You can reach me at info at paranormalbooksnj.com, on Facebook at Paranormal New Jersey, on Twitter at ParanormalNJ, and on Instagram at The Paranormal Museum. You can also reach out to us on our website at www.paranormalbooksnj.com. And if you happen to be in the Asbury Park area, feel free to stop by for a visit. Take care.